Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, hello, Power Partners. We are together again. Welcome to our informational playground. This is Star Style, be the star you are. Brought to the airways under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And we are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you are listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We will strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. We have a very fabulous show for you today. Coming up in segment two is former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine and New York Times bestselling author of acclaimed standalone novels. Kate White will be with us, and she'll be talking about her newest exhilarating thriller, The Wrong Man. In our third segment, we'll be talking about how a drought can be a gardener's worst uh, nightmare and some things about that. And before that, though, we're going to talk about forgiveness and how you can forgive the unforgivable, which I think is a pretty hard thing to do. But coming up right now with Heather Brittany in our Health Matters, it's sort of an outside-in body talk. So if you are having any kind of you know, brittle nails, any of those kind of things. That's what we're going to be talking about and how you can get away from them. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. You can learn more about the charity at btsya.org. And this is from Walt Whitman. To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. And I like that one, Heather, because I tend to look at the whole world. Everything is a miracle, (laughs) including (laughs) what we're going to be talking about right now, which is the body, our wonderful, amazing bodies and what they can tell us. I think that's really, you know, really kind of important to look at what's happening in our worlds and what's happening, 
in, you know, from the, what's happening on the outside, is it a reflection of what's on the inside? So tell us what you are thinking when you talk about body talk. Yeah, exactly. Well, as you know, there's so many things where we're so focused on the outside of our body, which is important. Our outer look also, you know, makes us feel, in, interior makes us feel good. Um, but sometimes, you know, as we know, our body is telling us things on the outside. A, a really easy kind of example of that is, for example, how doctors first feel of Kim uh, diagnosed is yellowing eyes. Is that to mean that something is wrong with your liver? Um, that things have jaundice things. So a lot of times when people see discoloration of the skin, of the eyes, um, that leads to believe that something else internally is going on. And now I'm not thinking things, these don't have to be exactly so intense, but a lot of times these little, you know, flare-ups of, you know, brittle nails, uh, falling, you know, hair falling out, dry skin, it could be more than just, you know, environmental things that could be on the outside, you know, so it's the, the greases and the toxins in the air. So first kind of thing, uh, especially, you know, this is kind of targeting more towards women. Um, so thick, dark follicles. As we know, you know, probably, you know, mother's white tails, I would say once you start shaving, you know, the hair grows back thicker and darker, which isn't technically true. It just kind of grows at a different angle and different coarseness. Um, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really thick hair, um, almost masculine-wise, not something that, oh, you know, we've, we've all got those random witch hair, you know, that you pick with a tweezer and you can't believe that, you know, you had that hair. You mean and like no a mustache, you out on it. you know. Do you mean like a, yeah, so a mustache? Yeah, so it would be more, so what thing could be, um, could be, so if there's a thickening, and uh, thickening hair, and I'm not, again, not talking about wispy little strands, I'm talking thick coats. Uh, you know, sideburn, you know, mustache almost. And, you know, as women, I mean, how many times we go and we get, we get, we go in for an eyebrow wax and we always get convinced into the lip wax because once they, someone tells you they see it, you think, oh my gosh, you suddenly get insecure. But I am talking about a full on, you know, you see this sometimes, um, a more, uh, you know, massive, very darkening of the hair. And what that can be, um, sometimes is, uh, polycystic ovary syndrome. And what happens a lot of times is, Hence, the thickening, the darkening hair is sometimes women's bodies start making more testosterone and other more masculine androgynous hormones in their body. Um, we see that, you know, sometimes with various athletes or just things can happen with our bodies that they just, you know, are these amazing creatures. Um, what a, a thing that can uh, do, excuse me, uh, something is to talk with your doctor. Sometimes birth control pills, um, because of the for, uh, female, uh, you know, the kind of artificial female female, uh, uh, my, my goodness here, uh, the female hormones, that's the word I was thinking of, um, female hormones that are in there, they can help regulate your body. So that's going to help um, sort of signal things as well as lifestyle changes. Losing just a little bit of weight can actually help. Sometimes excess weight um, can put our bodies into this whole concept of, you know, overactivism. That's why, you know, we tend to sweat more when we're overweight. Also, too, as we've talked about, that excess body weight, especially around the abdomen is highly um, dangerous to your overall health. So as we all know, get outside, get some fresh air. That will help with everything all the way around. Um, another thing, brittle nails. There's very many causes that can cause with that, but sometimes the easiest thing can be fungus, which is gross but true. Um, and, you know, we think about it, think about your hands. Uh, I've always kind of thought it was so ironic of the way to get off bacteria is by washing your hands you know, in wet, warm water. But what does bacteria love? Warm, moist places, which what does water do? Make right, moist. So right. It's always the thing. So that's why, you know, mushrooms, you know, the true, the fungus of the fungi, 
um, love dark, wet, moist, you know, places. That's where they, they can breed. So a lot of times when you see brittling nails, discoloring your nails, um, a big misnomer is that people always think, you know, find that it's going to be this deep yelling. Sometimes it can be just, you know, breakings in the middle of it. Um, that can be these, thing, uh, these uh, the, the fungus. Um, a lot of uh, uh, dermatologists, they can be able to prescribe things. Some things, um, surprisingly enough, can be really um, easy care. Uh, we recently had someone who had a fungus on their nails and an interesting fungus relief that is a very low cost um, is jock itch cream. That's sort of my little uh, homemade thing. So you can really, if you don't have time. fungus, even your feet? So fungus, yes. So fungus. If you have a fungus that's in your nails, um, especially in your nails, put a jock itch cream. Now again, I'm not saying do do not go to your dermatologist. I mean, this is a quick fix. But this happened to be a fix that we were really, really impressed of how uh, effectively it worked and how it basically cured this. So taking jock itch cream thing because uh, what you see is that it's topical. And how we kind of first really, you know, she found out that is when we got this medication, they slabbed their, uh, you know, doctor's label on top of it. But we read it, and it, when it was saying what it treats, we realized, oh, my God, this is just jocket treatment because it rains that is the number one thing that it fixes. Because not all funguses are alike, but many of them are very similar. So, um, you know, just taking it, again, try it out, you know, to make sure there's no allergic reactions. And if things persist, of course, always see your doctor. But I really kind of to save you money with things is to put that onto your nails, rub it in, rub it into the cream with fungus. That will help relieve it. Um, and, and most places can technically cure it. So be be cautious of that. Other things that can lead to dry, brittle nails, um, you know, it could be exterior things going on, but then focus more on the inside. It could be, you know, an internal fungus going on. Another thing, uh, scaly red patches on your skin. Uh, sometimes we think, you know, rats. I am someone who has really sensitive skin, though I love the smell of great lotions and stuff. I have to use unscented lotion. Um, something that can be more serious is um, psoriasis. And psoriasis is something, unfortunately, it's an autoimmune disorder. It's in the skin, um, and it can flare up at any time. And if you ever see it with people, it's really, um, you know, though it's not something that's contagious, it's really hard to look at. And for people, you know, it can be really, um, you know, socially just kind of, you know, a draining on, on uh, you know, sort of your confidence. So that's Well, and also that's- it's so uncomfortable. Sometimes itching is worse than pain. I mean, I know when I've had poison oak or, uh, you know, or bug bites or something, just the itching is like, oh, my gosh, take it away. So I feel you know, for anyone and, and, who has to know, suffer from psoriasis. Who have, who but had, what can that be uh, a sign of? What, what's causing yeah, that Yeah, well, possibly? you know, something also with the psoriasis, too. Psoriasis can also be connected um, to cardiovascular disease. And that's really just kind of some recent studies have been put out. Um, but it's just kind of saying your risk for heart attack um, goes down when you treat, uh, when you actually, when you treat more severe uh, cases of uh, uh, psoriasis. So one thing is seeing your doctor, getting medications for things, and doing blood tests. Blood tests now they can find out so much stuff. I mean, there's kind of been various controversies um, about various things that say they can do blood tests and find out, you know, if you have, you know, certain genes linked to it. Um, those things are kind of been on the ups and downs with it. I'm always kind of for that stuff if they can find it out, even if they can, you know, find somewhat um, information from your blood test. 
I'd rather know that information. Um, just make sure if you're seeking out these things that you're going to uh, a very, you know, a doctor that you trust and not sort of just kind of hocus-pocus them. Another thing, um, persistent acne. We, you know, we've, I think every human being has gone through uh, acne, especially women, especially hormonal times. Um, a lot of times you would think a hormonal imbalance and um, breakouts, you know, again, are not just for teens and tweens. A lot of people into their 30s and 40s keep having this, you know, these reoccurring um, acne, acne episodes. Um, and estrogen and progesterone levels um, drop usually when you have a hormonal balance. And um, they kind of tip towards more the uh, testosterone, when, which is why, you know, we checked before that when women have this sort of imbalance in their body, more androgynous things come out. Again, the, um, the acne breaking out, uh, you know, the, the darkening of the hair follicles, um, just certain things that can tend to be more masculine with that. Um, great news is there is a million acne products out there, and now they've been coming, doctors are uh, becoming more into the science of it and more just beyond uh, just skin stuff that, you know, that people can go on particular prescriptions, as I've said before, you know, with birth control, um, which is kind of that one thing is that a, a lot of women, um, especially coming from working in reproductive care, um, there was many women that I'm sure were using it for reproductive uses, but originally their main thing was for regulation of their skin because to have that certain hormone, um, it kind of brings back that more the feminine thing, giving you uh, more of the estrogen and balancing out the progesterone, which helps again versus you know with with skin things with helping you know. But again, that's all something really you have to talk to your doctor about. One hundred percent, and even to get birth control, you need to see a doctor. But um, right, but for any right. you know any reasons, I'm just talking with your doctor about these things. But again, a hormonal imbalance can affect off so many other things within your your body, especially you know moods. That can mean something. Too, um, you know, you're having broken out skin and you're, it's affecting your mood. Well, really, again, hormonal imbalance and, and that, the way you're acting. Talk with your doctor. Again, all these things we're just kind of talking. These are things, signs and things to look for. But talking with your doctor um, is a person that's going to be able to kind of pinpoint what exactly is going on medically and what's the next step uh, medically of what they can give and, and do for you. Um, another thing is thinning hair. As we know, um, an odd and interesting thing of how the human body works is uh, baldness is actually and thinning of the hair is actually a trait that comes from our mothers, which we tend to think more, you know, males, men, you see, we see with the thinning and the balding of the hair. But women, it's a big thing. As you see those, you know, <laughs> women as they get older, that thinning of the hair, they try to fluff up that little bit that's left. Um, Wait a minute. Yeah, did you say that it's hereditary from the mother's side of the family? Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Balding oh, that's so interesting. Of the hair I never knew that. I always a, thought it came from the, from the paternal side. Very fascinating fact. Yes, it's um, it's a maternal. It's, it's actually something, a trait that's passed down from mothers. Um, but without getting into the recessive and dominant trait things, is something that it could actually be beyond just aging and thinning of the hair and stress. Um, is it could be something with your thyroid, and it could be hypothyroidism. And so, as you know, when hy- something is hypo, it means it's underactive. Same with hypoglycemic, that you're not getting enough of the sugars, which I know you know very well about with that. But with um, hypo hypothyroidism, um, it's, the gland is underactive. And now you never, I, I mean, truly overactive is the really, really when it's, it's serious and there's much, that's, much more serious things. You want that nice balance, but um, but choosing them to is hypo, 
you know, I, I would never wish that upon anyone, but that's something that's going to have less of severe health effects. This is going to more affect, again, your hair follicles. Um, and what, you know, what, because what happens when um, your hair follicles go sort of into this resting mode when your, your glands are hypoactive, when they're, when they're underactive. Um, and then what tends to happen is your strands naturally start shredding. That's why when women are pregnant, their hormones and their glands are on overdrive and they just have this thick and luscious hair, then after pregnancy, it starts to fall out by the clumps and, you know, things going on there and thinning of the hair. Um, something that, you know, something too is damaging to your hair, you know, if you've done products, I'm someone I've, I'm probably going to be bald very soon because I use so, I mean, so much dye and products into my hair. Um, and again, menopause. Well, hopefully they have women. good wigs now, right, Heather? <laughs> But we're getting another, towards the end of our segment, so uh, we need to wrap it up. So give us, uh, yeah, finish this a little bit and then give one. us your takeaways. Yeah, my last, my last kind of takeaway, just kind of ending on this most thing, is that women, you know, our hair is so important to us. And um, another thing beyond uh, hypothyroidism is that it could be menopause. And menopause, we think about it as older years, but it can start at a younger thing. A great thing for menopause is to take a B-complex with a multivitamin, uh, something that might have uh, help restore collagen as well as restoring of the hair. For more information, check out our website and everything else that's going on uh, with the radio show and the charity, go to BeTheStarYour.com as well as BeTheStarYour.org. Well, Heather Brittany, another wonderful Health Matters. I really appreciate all this information because it really is true that our body does talk to us from the inside out. And the more information we have, the better we can be prepared so that we can be stronger, more beautiful, and always happy. So, Heather, thank you very much for that. You are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And when we come back from break, we are going to have a New York Times bestselling author and former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan, Kate White, will be back with us. She has a new novel out, The Wrong Man. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. I'm Heather Brittany. Oh, my gosh. I thought you forgot who you were. <laughs> star style. Be the star you are. Brought to the airwaves under Be the Star You Are charity. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Don't go away. We want to empower you some more. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. 
Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are. You are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need. My appreciation to you for staying with me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every week we bring you the great information, the gurus, the pioneers on the planet to help you recharge, rethink, and be reinvigorated. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I love being your guide on the side as we navigate these rivers of our lives. Well, today I am really tickled to have the opportunity to visit again with Kate White, New York Times bestselling author of several books and the former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine. Kate is here to chat with us today about her newest novel, The Wrong Man. Welcome back to Star Style. Be the star you are, Kate. Oh, thank you, Cynthia. I am so happy to have you on the show because some of my guests, um, I mean, some of my listeners uh, may remember that you were one of my first guests, I think it was back in 2004, when Star Style, Be the Star You Are was brought from San Francisco to World Talk Radio in San Diego, and we were live then, and your book was called Till Death to Us Part. And oh, my God, you remember I, that. I so, I, so, I so enjoyed that book as well. So today we're discussing your new novel, The Wrong Man, and I just finished reading it, and it was really, really fun because I loved your protagonist, Kit. She's single, she's mid-30s, she's female, she's feisty, although she feels that life has been playing it a little bit too safe for herself. So she kind of decides to jump on the crazy bandwagon, but um, then she gets herself kind of mixed up, uh, you know, in some things that she maybe didn't think would happen. Uh, what was your... Uh, Inspiration for this? I mean, did you, is she a conglomeration of people you know? Is it something you pulled from years of editing Cosmo? <laughs> Tell us. Well, I, Kit is someone who, as you say, is a little nervous about taking risks in her personal life. Even though she's very gutsy in her work as an interior designer, she likes not being matchy matchy in people's homes and putting on a couch fabric, maybe doing it inside out just because she likes the reverse pattern so much. And so she's gutsy there, but she's been a bit tentative in her personal life because of some things that happened to her family when she was younger. And I think what I did was sort of tap into that part of me that still might have a little bit of a good girl tendency. So fortunately, we have buried most of that over, over time, but it's taken many years. And I just like the idea of someone who knows that they need to go bigger in life, they need to be gutsier, and they set out to do that. And Kit ends up taking a risk that and isn't, in the long run, good for her, but it's not her fault. Some risks we take can backfire. In her case, she 
has a little fling with someone she meets on vacation, and it's going to be no strings attached, but he calls her when she's on the way to the airport and says, look, I, I take it back. I, I really want to see you. We both live in New York. Let me cook dinner for you. And the guy's named Matt Healy, and she she's glad he called because she, she felt a real connection with him. She shows yeah, she up sure did. Apartment. She she tingled a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he when she shows up to his apartment, this guy she doesn't recognize answers the door, and she thinks maybe she's in the wrong place. But he says, um, she says, "I'm sorry, I must have the wrong apartment." He goes, "She says I'm looking for Matt Healy." And he goes, "Well, I'm Matt Healy. Who are you?" And she realizes that she's been punked somehow, and she'd like to leave it at that, but. It's like dominoes. A, a whole right. chain of events begins to unfold. That's dangerous. And I really loved that when that knock on the door when the Matt Healy wasn't the Matt Healy because the, I thought that was so unexpected. I also just love the fact that she made her an interior designer because that happens to be one of the professions that I did for many, many years. And I found your depiction of design and fun design to be so accurate. And like you said, Kit was somebody who took risks in design. And that's what good design's all about is, you know, not playing it safe, not just going into a store and saying, I'll take two side tables. I loved something that, um, that her good friend had said to her at one point in the book where she said, you know, if you, something like, if you don't watch out, I'm going to call all your friends and I'm going to uh, tell them to do their kitchen all with the roosters. <laughs> and I thought about how many people have that. Yeah, that's right. You know, so anyway. Says, that's right. Her partner is worried about her. And she says, if you're not by, back by 10 o'clock tonight, based on everything that's going on, I'm going to send out a tweet that you, you, you recommend a row of rooster figurines in every kitchen. Figurines, so, exactly. Yeah. Rooster, that, that was the wording. And I just, I actually, I just was in fits of laughter over that because that seems to be kind of what's in every store, you know? And yeah. People, and most people exactly. are doing it. I also thought it was really fun that she was uh, in the design decorating business because it gave her the opportunity that she needed to go out and meet new people. Although, you know, she really Mm -hmm. was gutsy because, you know, she was meeting brand new clients in their homes or at their potential homes, which could be potentially dangerous for her. Uh, yet yes. she was taking those risks, and yes, so it's, sh- it's um, it, it's she loved design, and I I really have done my Bailey Wagon series. Bailey's a crime writer for a magazine, and I've had books where the the heroine is the protagonist is in a, a field that's sort of related to what I did in the magazine business. But after a while, this is my 10th book, and I was running out of jobs that were tangentially related to the magazine business. And though I'm a terrible decorator myself, I feel I know good taste, and I've I've worked with a couple decorators to help me, and I loved how their minds work. So I thought, I am just going to steal a page from this and make her a decorator. And it gave me the opportunity to go to a lot of showrooms and interview decorators, and that was really fun. 
That had to be fun, you know, because I think anytime we step out of our area of expertise, although I would say since you were with Cosmo for a while there, that you must have much better taste than you're giving yourself credit for, because there's a lot of uh, stylizing that goes on. Yeah, well, certainly a big part of Cosmo was visual. I ran the magazine for 14 years, and I picked up clothes for the cover, and a, and the colors for the cover and would work with the fashion director on the fashion trends we were going to cover. And I didn't have great instincts with things like fashion and home. Uh, I, I was really good at picking people who should be on the cover. But I, I, once I saw something, I could say that works or it doesn't work. So that, that was an interesting right. thing to be able to do. To, to, to know it when I saw it um, and give some direction, but I could never have sat down and styled a fashion shoot. Cynthia, I know my limitations. That's part of right. being a success. To that's realize part of being a good leader. What you can't do. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think you have to, if you're going to be the chief, you need to have really good people all around you. And that is the sign of somebody who knows how to do it well is when you know what you don't do well, so you bring other people on that do it well. Absolutely. So, and when I went to Cosmo, so, the first magazine that I wasn't in the demographic, and I hired a lot of young people. And my number two was uh, when I promoted her, she was 29 years old. And she wow. thought I was calling her in to give her a little promotion. I said, no, you're the new number two. But I needed people who were in the demo to help me steer the ship correctly. So right. that, that is, you know, you just got to know what your limitations are and hire and work around those. Well, getting back to your book and writing, now that you've written 10 books, you've been writing for quite a number of years and you write both fiction and nonfiction because you've written mm-hmm. some career books for for women, which I think are really important. Um, I shouldn't be telling you this. How do I ask for money and snag the promotion, create the career you deserve? Do you do you feel more comfortable in one genre or another? Do you prefer writing fiction? Do you prefer writing nonfiction? Or can you switch back and forth easily? I love both. And one of the dilemmas when you are when I decided to leave Cosmo and, and you go out on your own, they all talk today about the importance of having a very clear brand and not muddling it. And here I am, I've written 10 mysteries, but I've written these other books that are, are career books for women, and I speak around the country on success and leadership, and that has absolutely nothing to do with murder and mayhem and, and corpses found in stairwells. Right. But I love doing both. And so one of the things I did is I... I basically kind of separated them. I, I have a website for the mysteries, katewhite.com, and for the career stuff, I, it's katewhitespeaks.com. And I really had to be careful. I, I realized in the end and not trying try not to just blur those two together. You know, it's hard, though, not to blur things together, I think, especially when you are multi-talented or you're, you know, or you're juggling other things and you're doing them both really well. I mean that's kind of that is challenging, and I'm and you know even writing all the career books and giving all the empowerment messages that you give out so well, 
You know, it's really fun, though, to be able to sit back and just enjoy a novel from time to time. <laughs> so yeah. I think you're tapping into something that all of us who are, you know, high-powered or high-going high all the time, you know, on, you know, we're always zoom, zoom, zoom. It's really great to sit back and read. I just, I can't get enough of it. Well, just from my end, too, I love being able to take a break from the speaking and traveling and just spend a morning working on my novels. And then I like to take a break from the solitariness of writing to do the other. But because they're so different, if they were, if they were a little bit alike, I could possibly blend them, but because they're so different, I even try to split up the day. So I work on the fiction in the morning and the afternoons I I work on the other stuff because it's just, they're different. They really they're are. They're different. But well, I, Kate, I, I can really see where all the nonfiction and your career health and, you know, all of that kind of, uh, of guru training, I call it, you know, the guru oh, guiding. so right. I can totally see where that comes from because you have had such important jobs and you have been such a, uh, a female leader, but... The non-fic, I mean the fiction. Where do these ideas come from? Are, is it from reading newspapers? Is it just thoughts? Is it from girl talks? Is it from you know? Do, where do you gather this? Because I know well, I probably couldn't put together a fiction, a book of fiction, if I tried. It's it's easier than you think if you if you realize it doesn't have to be magical. I keep a folder of crime stories that I go through at times just to see if something that I talked away two years ago suddenly sparks my interest. I go to certain websites and troll through them. And sometimes I just do something that I read a wonderful woman, Laura Day, who told me once, she wrote a book on intuition. She said, you put the question out to the universe what should my next mystery be about? And something you see trigger, hits your subconscious and triggers an idea. And with the wrong man, I didn't get that from my crime file. I got it just one day. I had put that question out to the universe, and I suddenly thought, what if you went to see someone you knew and the person opened the door and it wasn't him? And Mm. I, I think that's another thing that they advise writers to do, play the game of what if. What if you got in an elevator and the man that was standing there was someone that you once knew years ago, but what if he pretended not to know you? And and so you start playing that game. And that's a great tool for writers to use. And I I found it very helpful myself. That is a great tool. And you know what's very interesting? We're speaking with Kate White, if you're just joining us now. She is the author of the new suspense novel, The Wrong Man. She's a New York Times bestselling author of several other novels, as well as a former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine. What I loved about your title, first of all, is, you know, how immediately you're thinking that the guy that she meets, who she thinks is Matt Healy, is actually the wrong man for her to have met. You know, I love that. And then when she finally finds out what his real name is, etc., it even gets more complicated. But how many people have gone on vacation and decided to have just that fling? Um, So, you know, I thought what was interesting is 
how it sets into motion, people could, you know, anyone, man or woman, could start thinking about that what if. Gosh, what if I had gone to, you know, Florida to the Keys and had this kind of thing, and it really turned out that this person was not that person. So I I thought you tapped into something that, um, you know, most people have had something in their experience that could have gone wrong, and maybe it didn't go wrong, but maybe it did. And, you know, it just, uh, I, I loved that about it. I thought that was really fascinating. You know, one other thing, just talking about the cross-pollination of me writing about success and writing mysteries is one of the things I always talk about when I go out to speak to women about success is the importance of going big or going home, that it's important to ask yourself with each thing you do at work, could this be bigger, could it be bolder, could it be more badass, and and just go for it. And that's a lesson that actually has helped me as a novelist because as I think of former good girl, I have a tendency sometimes to pull my punches. And I think when you are writing fiction today where the stakes are higher and you have these books like Gone Girl that are so bold and provocative, I think you have to ask yourself, could I go bigger with this? Could I? Not that you want to be like... Uh, Jaws 7, where the uh, the shark is jumping out of the water and taking down a helicopter or something like right, that. Right, right, right. But you don't know, be it's afraid interesting to, go to big. say that, go, go big or go home, because I was going to actually say that at the, at the top of our segment when you talked about <laughs> being bolder and, and being bigger, because I live that way too. I really believe that, you know, you have to dream, dream big, big dreams, and I always tell people, you know, shoot for the stars. If you hit the airplane, it's better than hitting the ground, you know? I mean, just just go big. And that's been one of my rules is uh, be wild and crazy, which I mean go out on that limb because that's where the fruit is. We do have to take chances in life. We do have to take, you know, qualified risks. But if we play it safe all the time, nothing exciting is ever going to happen, nor are we going to do anything that's worth doing. So it is important to think bigger, bolder, better. I want to give out your website and we'll continue talking a little more. So katewhitespeaks.com is for her uh, books and empowerment and speaking. And katewhite.com, you can find out more about her as well there on, uh, on her novels. This novel is The Wrong Man. It really is a riveting read. Uh, something else I wanted to bring out that was really important, I thought, the way you wrote it, and I'm sure it's because you have uh, women friends in your life, but Baby, the, um, her very dear older friend, she was just there for her through, you know, thick and thin with lots of humor and lots of support and always a, a fun quip. And I think every woman needs to have a baby in their life. Oh, baby is just totally out of my imagination, and I loved her. She's seven years old, seventy years old. She was a top designer. She retired. Her husband died, and just at loose ends, she wants back in the business, but she wants something sort of low key. So she joins uh, with Kit in a Kit. small boutique business, and. I tried to have babies say really funny, outrageous things, and I just thought, wouldn't it be fabulous to have a baby in my life? Just somebody who's amusing and wry, but also smart, and she's going to have good advice to give you. You know, I had an Annie Cleo. She really wasn't my aunt, but we called her Annie Cleo, 
and nobody ever knew what age she was. And we still, she when she died, we don't still don't know. She must have been in her hundreds. But she always dressed like she was a teenager. She had this darling little body. Her husband had died at an early age. She never had kids. And we were like all her kids. And she taught school for 50 years. And she would wear these long blonde wigs and a mini skirt, walk down the street. And when the guys would go by honky, she'd turn around. And, of course, her face was all wrinkled and horrible. <laughs> and she loved it. She loved the shock. She loved to shock them. And she, oh, she, she always talked to us as kids about beauty from the inside out because, you know, she would always say that it wasn't about that, you know, that mini skirt and all this. But I tell you, your baby reminded me of her so much. It really made oh, me miss her. Oh, that's great. Your baby, I, one of the first things she says is Kit walks in from the trip and, she asked baby how she's doing. Baby says, I'm up to my ass and I can't, <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> uh, which is a big fabric trend now. And I just love that that's the first thing that comes out of baby's mouth. And she's baby's bet on match.com. And she tells Kit, beware of anyone who says their baggage is small enough to fit in the overhead compartment. <laughs> and some other little lessons to learn from match.com. Well, and, you know, and she keeps talking about the match thing. There was another one that she had that um, about, uh, about the guys. I mean, she kept talking about the guy that we called Matt, you know, that about his big spear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> anyway, it was really quite, yeah. I just, I, I don't yeah. want to give anything away because I want people yeah. to read the book. But there was just, uh, you know, so many so many funny things. And I mean, I remember her saying something like, yeah, um, when Kit was really grateful that she was going to be able to stay at her house, she said, yes, of course I want you to stay. Besides, it's going to save me from doing something stupid like eating a cockapoo, you know? <laughs> and uh, Kit thought it was a bird. And she goes, no, a cocker spaniel poodle hybrid because yeah, I, yeah. she was going to get it because it didn't shed, you know? I mean, she always had the right answer and she always seemed to be able to put out fires and to make Kit feel safe. And to me, that was really important and at the same time she just seems so fun and and um, you know such a great girlfriend as well as an incredible business partner don't we all wish we could have a business partner like that well I want yeah, you to uh, go ahead I'm glad you liked her oh I liked her I loved I liked all the characters and I really liked uh, your ending as well so that's always important what's next for you do you have something in the works now I'm working on another book right now that's due in October, and one of the important things for me is to get that ending where it's a twist at the end, and you you discover who did it, and you, you're mad you didn't guess it, but you should have guessed it, and so now that this is the 11th book, each time that gets harder, but uh, I'm working on trying to put enough clues in there, but also make sure I hide the killer, and and it's, right. it's, it's fun. This one's about a woman who begins to suspect her husband has done something pretty bad, and that's not any, I've never tackled something like that before. So it's, Ooh, that it's sounds really interesting, do. because what do you do if somebody you've been married to or with a long time, you start suspecting they're not the person you thought they were or that they did something yeah. And you're trying to talk yourself out of that. And 
but it's scary. I, I'm trying to look at my husband without any fear in my eyes. Right. <laughs> I know. Well, you might ask his advice, you know, and <laughs> see what's yeah. happened there. Yeah. Well, it's great that you've had uh, such a great agent in Sandra Dykstra for so long and that you've got these contracts for all the books. Congratulations, Kate. It's been fantastic to speak with you again. I'm so happy for you and all of your success with your books and post-Cosmo and I know you will continue to thrive. So uh, don't let it be uh, 10 or 11 years before you come back again. Let I would love that, Cynthia. Talk with it's us. Great to, <laughs> great to talk to you and to find out this interior decorating thing in your past. I'm delighted yes. about that. Yes, yes, yes. I was so it was so fun to re- to go through and see what Kat, Kit and Baby were up to that whole time and Dara because I just kept taking me back to the design centers and into the homes of all the clients that I've done and thinking about all the fabrics and all this stuff. And I mean, just recently I went through my office and and donated just piles and piles of of uh, of the fabrics and the and the uh, paint fans and uh, books of window treatments and all kinds of stuff because I thought, hey, I need to give these things to the next generation. They can get an idea and then they'll go out and do their own thing the way they want to. So oh, anyway, it's so fun idea. to talk to you. Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, let's give out your website again. Go to katewhite.com or katewhitespeaks.com. This book is called The Wrong Man. Kate White is the author. She's got another one coming in October. We'll be looking for that one, too. So get in touch, and you will enjoy this suspense. Kate, thanks so much for coming on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It has been just a pleasure to have you on, and I know our listeners have thoroughly enjoyed this as much as I have. Thanks so much, Cynthia. It's been fun. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. This show is brought to you under the auspices of Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 to empower women, families, and youth. You can find out more at btsya.org or bethestarur.org. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to forgive the unforgivable as well as what to do with a drought in your area and how to get into the garden. Don't go away. Lots more to come. We are live on the Voice America Network Empowerment Channel. Be right back. You are the star you are. Be the star you are. You are the... Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the star you are Light up the flame that burns Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3 A literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you are. Be the star you are. 
energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a life that shines. Believe in yourself. Well, thanks again for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and we are having a power party. The book, The Wrong Man, is really a, a very fun and a fast read. It's, it's a great one for summer. So uh, pick it up by Kate White. Go to Kate White. You know, I got an email from Ellen Cohen, who is uh, an author who's been on the show several times, uh, and also just a terrific, uh, terrific person. And I thought it was so fascinating what he wrote. And I'm going to just kind of paraphrase what he was talking about. He was talking about how do we forgive the unforgivable, because we've all read about that evening of June 10th when a white supremacist attended that Bible study group at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, pulled out a gun, shot nine people to death, including one of the ministers. And his whole goal was to create a race war. And several days later, the families of the slain victims instead issued a public statement saying that they forgave the killer, which was pretty amazing. And then there was internet posts and blogs and everybody was buzzing with some people applauding the act of forgiveness. But lots of people saying that how can you or should you uh, forgive something that is really just so unforgivable? So perhaps we can bring that matter to greater clarity by eliminating and eliminating what real forgiveness is. Let's start with what forgiveness is not. It's not condoning, excusing, allowing, approving, accepting, or being indifferent to acts of unkindness, unconsciousness, or evil. And it doesn't mean we should deny the pain that those acts cause or let dangerous people roam the streets or hurt or kill again. But what forgiveness does mean is that we refuse to indulge or perpetuate that hatred that causes people to do hateful things. To hate the hater means that we stoop to the consciousness that moved the hater to destroy. So forgiveness is an act that is offsetting to the acts of darkness because it shines more light into the world. So darkness never eradicates darkness. Only light has. And you probably remember Gandhi saying, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. So somewhere, some wind, somehow, some has to stop that cycle of pain. pain. And forgiveness means not to allow ourselves to succumb to the smallness that has kept the world trapped in those tiny boxes. We have to learn to choose the high road, even if our companions are few. We have to model release rather than clutching to sorrow. And forgiveness means that we identify with our deepest nature as being spiritual rather than just our human frailty. Because it is challenging for us. We are in human bodies and we're in a world consumed with racism and nationalism and religious superiority. The families of those murdered must have suffered, you know, really suffered terrible pain, but they're choosing to rise above it. And they're offering the world a model of release rather than vengeance. Because such an act sends a wave of release into the universe and that activates the healing that was so sorely needed. I mean, if we are just to sit at the cell of a prison, then what we're doing is we are jailing ourselves. So 
forgiveness is a gift to forgiver, but more than anything, it's a gift to ourselves. And we've all had someone or something somewhere that, you know, we've had a hard time forgiving. And if the Charleston murders had happened to any one of our families, how many of us would come forth with statements of forgiveness? I know I would have a hard time. But to take a situation where hate and revenge would be so easy to fall into, even condoned and supported by the masses, and use it as a place for release that emanates light into the darkness, and that can alter the lives of all who behold it. So that Charleston killer sought to start a race war, but instead the act opened the hearts of a nation. And President Obama flew to Charleston to eulogize the dead, and he pleaded for an awakening. And people of all races around the world sympathized, and they offered condolences, and they prayed for the family. And ultimately, the Killers Act did not alienate the races, but it joined people together, and it showed us that we are all in this together. So every day offers each of us a thousand opportunities to practice forgiveness, and not just lip service, the kind that heals. So may we all find strength in our hearts to walk the high road such that hatred no longer finds vessels through which to hurt humanity. And I want to thank Alan Cullen for sending out um, this information. I think it was really wonderful. Now, just a quick, we only have a few minutes left, but I just want to talk a little bit about drought gardening in July and August, because the drought can be a gardener's worst nightmare, and we're really suffering here in California. So when a hot, dry weather pattern settles in, it affects your landscape in a variety of ways. And there's nothing you can really do to prevent a drought, but there are some strategies you can enact to help minimize the effect it has on your garden. The most obvious way a drought affects your garden is the way it makes your plants look. You know, healthy green foliage, it wilts. You know, we're saying that brown is the new green. You get brown edges or it dies completely, flowers fade, etc. It also makes plants less winter hardy, especially if the drought occurs in fall as plants are going through their dormant stage, and it can have a lasting effect. Now, the Earth is a planet consisting 70% of water. Less than 4% is fresh water and 1% pot, uh, potable water. So the United States Geological Survey defines drought as a period of drier than normal conditions that results in water-related problems. It means the flow of streams and rivers declines, water levels in lakes and reservoirs uh, fall, and um, then the dry period becomes a drought. So as a garden writer and garden lover, the idea of turning off the spigot is like a dagger to our hearts. So by letting the garden go dry, it has other ramifications, too, because then you're going to lose property values, loss of recreational opportunities, increased warming, fewer plants to respire, loss of health benefits from gardening, and they're both physical and psychological, and an increased carbon footprint from less food being grown in backyards. Now, the EPA estimates that 30% of residential water is used outdoors. That's more than half of this is watering on lawn. And a single cup of tea takes 35 liters of water to produce. Isn't that interesting? So what you can do, the most obvious, of course, is to keep your garden healthy. Uh, plants need an inch of moisture, but it's better to water deeply. So maybe water once or twice a week, but water deeply. Apply mulch. A two or three inch layer of mulch over the soil can do wonders. It's going to keep the cool, soil cooler, shields the ground from direct sun, and the benefit is that moisture stays in the soil longer. Stop fertilizing. If you apply fertilizer, it's helpful to stop at the onset of a drought. Pull all the weeds. It might not be fun at the best of times, but keep on it. Deadhead your flowers because by removing spent blossoms, 
they are, you're going to give them a chance to set seeds, which is going to save energy for your plants. And you don't need that extra energy into the seeds. So, and then plan for a drought tolerant garden. And that might mean that you're going to have to put in succulents, you know, maybe some cactus and find plants that are water um, hardy and that they, you know, plant smarter to kind of beat the heat. You focus on vegetables that produce abundant crops like tomatoes and squash and peppers and eggplants and eliminate things like broccoli and cauliflower because they're water hogs. And uh, water just appropriately. You know, you don't need to water every day, again, as I was saying. So I, I hope that you will all be um, a plant hardy and use your gray water from the house. And any runoff water that you can find. And remember that even if you're in parts of the country that are flooded right now, you know, we are, our climates are changing. So be prepared. Well, I want to thank you all for being wonderful listeners. And we really appreciate you listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every week right here on the Voice American Network. If you want more information about Be the Star You Are, please go to bethestarur.org or btsya.org. For information about Star Style Productions, visit star-style.com. And you can always get in touch with me, Cynthia, at star-style.com. We want you to speak as if your dreams are already coming true and imagine they are and then act as if they exist. And remember to smile, have fun, and be wild and crazy. And until next week when we celebrate again, Remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan from Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, and make a difference. And make sure to read a book. It's like a garden in your pocket. Until we play next week, have fun. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Be the star you the star you are, be the star you are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.